88.9 KCI FM in Irvine. This is the Heather McCoy Show. Um, continue on, continuing on with the sports theme in um, this segment, um, but with a historical perspective on baseball in Orange County. But we'll be focused. But it's focused more uh, before the Angels started play in Anaheim in 1966. Our guest is Chris Epting. He's written several books on baseball, but his latest is Baseball in Orange County, and it's out now. Uh, welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you for having me, Heather. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, I've been, I read the article on the register, and ever since then, I really wanted to have you on the show. I appreciate um, it. It's a book that tells uh, the story of baseball from a West Coast perspective. Of course, um, Joe DiMaggio isn't the only East Coast baseball player that has a connection to Orange County air that has largely been forgotten. One of the best pitchers of all time uh, moved to Oilonia. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's now incorporated into the city of uh, Brea, and he moved. Well, Olinda. I'm Olinda. Sorry, Olinda oh, okay. Yeah, about. Olinda. Yeah. And then um, he, and then um, Walter Johnson. Uh, can you tell his story growing up in Orange County and playing baseball? Absolutely. Walter Johnson was actually born in Humboldt, Kansas, and in around 1900, his family moved here. His dad took a job working in the oil fields. There was not a lot of work in Kansas, and so the family came here. Walter Johnson at that point is about 11 years old or so, and he'd never played baseball. So when they arrived in Olinda, which, as he said, is now uh, Brea, California, Walter would watch the young, you know, oil well teams, uh, oil well companies all had baseball teams, a very sort of competitive league that played out here, which is actually what brought baseball to Orange County as far back as the 1880s. So Walter Johnson would watch these games, and then at one point, somebody took him aside and showed him how to throw a baseball, and his dad would take him to local games, and he became a baseball player out there in Olinda. And, you know, at that point, was was clearly a natural. He went on to become, you know, one of the first men inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. But his first 10 years were played here in Orange County, traveling through Santa Ana, Huntington Beach, Anaheim. He touched a lot of different places. And so in the first chapter of the book, I try and sort of retrace his footsteps throughout the county from Fullerton High School to, you know, Santa Ana, where there used to be a small ballpark to Anaheim. And so it was really a fun, for me, a very kind of fun historical journey to think about this young pitcher who would go on to become, I mean, arguably, if not the greatest right-hander in history, certainly one of the top two or three. Yeah, Walter left in Orange County for uh, Idaho, where he was eventually discovered by the Washington Senators, but he came back twice, with the last time being in, in October of 24 for an exhibition game about against Babe Ruth. How was the game organized, and who made up the rest of the lineup for each team? Well, that was an amazing event. I mean, it's really a mythical game. Uh, as you said, it was Johnson's last trip back. The teams are sort of two all-stars, two barnstorming teams of all-stars that included players like Sam Crawford, who went on to be in the Hall of Fame, of course, and Jimmy Austin. But the real attractions were, were Ruth, obviously, Babe Ruth and Walter Johnson, who played this game in Brea. And a number of years ago, a gentleman contacted me. Uh, I, I remember the call to this day because he told me that his dad had been at the game and actually shot photos in 1924 of that game, which, were, which was an interesting bit of news to me because outside of a couple of newspaper photos, there were no real live-action shots of that game. And so lo and behold, a few days later in the mail, I received about a dozen of these images of Babe Ruth pitching. He came back to pitch uh, one last time during that game. He hit two home runs that day. And so those, those images generously um, from the Outland family appear in this book for the very first time. Is it's a chance to really, you know, recreate that moment of what it was like, you know, here in California when two of the biggest stars of the day played in Brea. Is that the last time Babe Ruth pitched publicly? 
Well, you know, it's hard to really tell. It's certainly one of the last times he pitched competitively because he did get out there and try and pitch. I think along the way he barnstormed so many times after that there may have been a time here or there. But uh, but as far as a documented, you know, I have a photo in the book of him pitching. Now that may be the last image of him pitching in his career. I mean, it's it's that rare. And to go back to that site today, which I do in the book, I return to that area. It's still sort of a natural um, bowl, which is it dipped down. That's where the game was played, and people in cars kind of rimmed the top of the hill. And I went back there and photographed because I think it's amazing to think about. I actually notified people whose house is about where home plate would have been. I let them know that, hey, Babe Ruth stood right here. And they were absolutely blown away. They were big baseball fans and could not believe that something that historic took place in their neighborhood. Is there any effort to try to mark that area? You know what? I had a note about a year or two ago from a Boy Scout. Uh, this amazing kid who's working really hard to do it, and I've told him, anything I can do, let me know. He wants to have a little marker placed there. I mean, getting markers placed is a tricky bit of business. It requires typically a lot of um, bureaucratic red tape uh, from the locals and stuff, but it can be done, and he seemed really, you know, fervent about getting it done. So I hope he does. I mean, there are a number of markers around Orange County dedicated to baseball. I've tried to actually include a chapter in there about places where people can see markers and things. I mean, people didn't know. We have an amazing museum, the Newport Sports Museum here, that has Babe Ruth's last home run ball. So, you know, the, the, the story of baseball in Orange County, it's there. It was just sort of dying to be told, you know, whether it's about where Babe Ruth played or where that ball is, where Joe DiMaggio played. And that's what I think was really important to me, anyhow, was bringing that story to life beyond just the angels. Yeah, um, two of those buildings that you still can visit, um, Pioneer Hall is where they had the morning breakfast before the game, and um, it looks like an auto repair shop that was served as their locker room that's not too far from what would be Brea Bowl. No, the auto repair shop is amazing. It's this vintage 1920s building, and, and yeah, like you say, the players got changed in there and sort of paraded down the hill into the playing area very ceremoniously. There were thousands of locals that turned out for this. And so, you know, the thought of that happening in that, in that auto repair shop today as a baseball history fan is, is really haunting to think about all those players, you know, a couple of dozen well-known baseball players at that, at that era, just getting off the train that would have pulled up their Brea and marching over, uh, meeting the locals and marching down to play this, this mythical game. Uh, when there's a spot like that that's left, it really, as a historian, uh, it's a very exciting thing to be able to stand there and sort of retell the story. But, but more importantly, just stand there and kind of imagine what it might have been like that day. Yeah, one of the stories I find incredible in the book is that one of the players in the game, Vic Rudy, or I'm not sure how his last name's pronounced, went, on, right. yeah, went on to become the park superintendent for the city of Anaheim, and he worked on getting Anaheim Stadium built. Yeah, there are great little things like that that are, that are amazing. There's a little park called uh, La Palma Park in Anaheim, and one of the gentlemen who worked on that was at the same time uh, working with Knott's Berry Farm. In fact, there are green, there's a greenhouse building right by La Palma Park in Anaheim where the original boysenberry trees, the, the hybrid you know, plant that was created for Knott's <laughs> Berry Farm, were created in those greenhouses. So there's a lot of other Orange County history that sort of naturally and seamlessly falls into place when you begin telling the story of baseball. Because baseball connects lots of different things. I mean, it isn't just a sport. It was a, a community happening whenever a stadium or ball field went up. And so with that came a lot of other OC history. And so I got lucky in discovering those little bits of information that helped complete the puzzle, too. Yeah, um, just going back quickly to Walter Johnson, um, his yellow 
Yellow Sox days, the Yellow Sox were uh, Santa Ana's team, and they were part of an ill-fated Southern California Trolley League where all the teams in the league played by a nearby trolley stop. What are some of the other semi-pro and other organized teams in Orange County at the time? Well, you had there was a team called the Anaheim Valencias, which was sort of a, a local professional team. I mean, some of the most fascinating pro teams were female teams, I and mean, the Lionettes were a really popular female baseball and then softball team who played. And I sort of trace their history. The fields where they played are still there. And their history is really interesting because they were the best. I mean, and we think of the movie A League of Their Own. You know, a lot of that came from teams like the Lionettes were inspired by these very competitive, you know, female teams that played a great brand of baseball and had very interesting, you know, colorful uniforms that definitely had more of a female touch in that they were made out of satin and and great colors and things. So, you know, it's uh, it was a really, again, beyond just the Angels, when you think about the other smaller teams, but just the players who came through as well. Well, Jackie Robinson in the 1950s actually filmed uh, the story of his life, the Jackie Robinson story, where he plays himself in Anaheim. So that's another legend that I'm not sure people are aware of actually spent time here. You know, so yeah. that's another big piece of the story are these these sort of Mount Rushmore baseball faces, uh, most notably, I think, Babe Ruth and, of course, uh, uh, Jackie Robinson. And Lou Gehrig was even here. There's a very rare photo in the book of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig after a hunting trip. Uh, they were taken out duck hunting at a, uh, a hunting club over in Los Alamitos by a local car dealer named Glenn Thomas. And so there's a wonderful photo of them, you know, presenting uh, the ducks and, and geese that they caught that day, which I enjoyed putting in there as well. Yeah, that's a really unique photo, too. Um, can you tell us more about La Palma Park and Armourage Park in Fullerton? Well, Armourage Park in Fullerton is great. That's uh, built on the site of uh, where Fullerton High School used to be. And it was built in the early 1930s, and it became a place where high schools played, uh, local independent teams played. But teams spring trained there as well. I mean, for a while, the Angels spring trained there, the L.A. Angels in the 40s. And and what that did is it brought other kind of Southern California teams there to play. That's why Honus Wagner was there in the 1930s coaching for the – you know, Pittsburgh Pirates, Bob Feller pitched there when the Indians visited. So it was a real all-purpose park where where lots of different teams played, and, and it brought in a lot of different professional aspects as well. And that's still there. I think that's a key thing in Orange County is some of these parks, La Palma Park, uh, also built in the 30s as a Works Progress Administration uh, project, is still there. And the fact that you can still walk those fields and the stadiums are intact and they still play baseball there today. You know, around the country, Angel Stadium is the fourth oldest ballpark in the major leagues, which is, to me, a real testament of how much we've lost in yeah. terms of stadiums, how many things have been torn down over the years. And Orange County, you know, thankfully has a fair number of ball fields that are original and intact. I mean, Amherst has been remodeled a lot since the 30s, but but the playing surface is still exactly where it was. So when you go out there, you can you can stand on a pitcher's mound and throw where Bob Feller did. And that's a very unique thing for baseball fans to to sort of reconnect the dots and get back in touch with history. I, I didn't even know La Palma Park existed, and let alone that the Oakland A's spent spring training there. Yeah, the A's came in 1940. Connie Mack loved it. He probably would have continued through the 40s if World War II hadn't broken out. But when when things like that would happen, when when a famed ball player like a manager like Connie Mack would bring his team in, the city would turn out. And the whole time for the weeks they would be playing there, he'd either be keys to the city, there'd be banquets, <laughs> he would give kids clinics there. It really became a local event that people were proud of and wanted to be closer to. And that's what I think about. I mean, again. 
again, Connie Mack is so heavily associated with Philadelphia and the East Coast. To think of him out here in the California sunshine in that suit with a shirt and tie out there on the field uh, with his team, to me, is a really intriguing thing. And, and there are some wonderful photos in the book that uh, lay testament to that as well. Yeah, those were like, I can't believe these, this is actually a photo and it's not Photoshop to see Connie Mack in Southern California. Isn't that weird? I know in Anaheim, and you drive yeah. by there and think, "Wow, where did?" I always think, "Like, where did they stay? Where did they eat? What was their sort of life cycle like while they were here?" And I, I try and put as many notations like that as I can in the book because to me, the fun is recreating the full experience. I mean, Babe Ruth stayed at a hotel in Fullerton before that famous 1924 game we were talking about. It's no longer a hotel; it's, yeah. uh, it's now a shopping center. But it's still the building is still there. He still woke up in that building and and managed to get from there to Anaheim. For the game. And that to me is really interesting because we just don't put those faces normally in Orange County. Yeah. On the offices side, what are some ballparks people can visit, but you really have to use your imagination to see where they stood? Well, probably there, there are two. The one that was really hard to track was a ballpark in Anaheim. I think it was just called Athletic Park, but it's where Walter Johnson saw his very first baseball game and for years where, where local oil teams played. And it's over by a train station. I have the exact location in the book, but that was really tough to find. I ended up looking at an old um, Sanborn insurance map that had a very, very slight uh, notation that just said grandstand, and that was finally the clue that oh, led wow. me to the spot where that where that stadium was. Where the stadium is probably too strong a word. It was just more of a ball field with some bleachers. And then in Santa Ana, there was a park, uh, Holly Field, Holly Park rather, where Walter Johnson. One of my favorite story that took place there was before Walter Johnson left. Southern California, one of his final games, they had a thing when he played for Santa Ana. It was Walter Johnson Day, and they gave him several thousand copies of a picture of himself. And Walter Johnson walked through the crowd and personally handed out photos of himself to each of the fans there that day. And I actually managed to track down a copy of one of those, and there's an image of it in wow. the book. And, and the thought of them, you know, making, you, you think today of, of a famous ball player being made to walk around and hand out pictures of himself, it probably wouldn't have. Back then, it was a slightly more charming and gentle era. And so he did it uh, happily. Walter Johnson was thought to be one of the sort of the great gentlemen of the game as well. And uh, so standing at that corner, a very residential street today in Santa Ana is a very exciting thing as well, because, again, you, the mind has to sort of work hard to fill in what was there. But once it does, it's a remarkable thing to think about, that thousands of people that travel to that spot to watch Walter Johnson and others play. How did Joe DiMaggio end up being back in Orange County after being a New York Yankee? Well, he was he was in the army like a lot of ball players back then. They enlisted, and he was stationed uh, actually where the where the Orange County Fairgrounds are today. There was a base there, and that's where he was stationed. And he played on the team, and so they would come to play games at La Palma Park. And you know, there are some wonderful images of DiMaggio in the book playing in Anaheim at La Palma Park. And you know, it's uh, the army brought ballplayers all over the world. He was the biggest name that we happened to get here in Orange County, but he definitely played there at La Palma and, uh, you know, lived and slept over <laughs> in Costa Mesa, which is kind of an interesting thought as well. I think, it, for me, one of the most overarching things in the book that I would like to tell people about is any given night at Angel Stadium during the seventh inning stretch when people sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, I don't know that people are aware that from the top row at Angel Stadium, you can see where the guy is laid to rest, Jack Norworth, who actually wrote that song. And that, that's one of the points in the book that I, I love to tell people about because that blows people away 
to think that the author of baseball's national anthem spent, you know, decades, his final decades in Orange County living in, in Laguna, and is today buried uh, at, at Melrose Abbey Cemetery in Anaheim. That's something people just can't quite grasp until you, you point it out to them and, and show them that it's true. Yeah, the, the, there seems to be a lot of people buried in there. Uh, I think one of the Black Sox was there and a, a few others. Yeah, there are. There are Jimmy Austin. There are several ball players, uh, including Mr. Norworth. But, you know, Norworth, to me, Take Me Out to the Ball Game is the third most popular song in American culture behind the national anthem and Happy Birthday. I mean, it's, it's so firmly in, embedded in our, in our psyche that I think, I, I thought rather, uh, when you go visit his, his grave there, it's sort of a forgotten, worn away little marker, little piece of ground on the ground. And a couple of years ago, I wrote this piece sort of lamenting the fact that baseball didn't take better care of that site. And, and lo and behold, uh, a fan named J.P. Myers read the article, got very worked up about it, and started a group to sort of you know, fund some money to create a marker there. And long story short, a couple of years ago, we did just that. We went there. You're not allowed to alter someone's gravesite if there's no next of kin. So we ended up purchasing a plot right near it and, and put a marker on that plot. And so today, if fans go there, they can see this beautiful black granite marker donated by a woman named Maria Satella and her husband, Charles, who run a mortuary company. They gave us this incredible piece of uh, you know, granite that they inscribed and everything. And so that was something I was proud of because we actually created a baseball landmark where one needed to be, or at least where we, some of us felt one needed to be. And that whole story is documented in the book as well. Raleigh Fingers, the Hall of Fame pitcher, came out, and he and I kind of emceed this event for the unveiling of it. And uh, it was a really exciting day and something I'm proud of because, again, when you can, it's one thing to sort of document history, but when you can actually affect it and, and create a marker, much like the Boy Scouts trying to do where Babe Ruth played, it's, it's an exciting thing. When you see it finally unveiled, you realize that you've altered a little, be, little piece of history and that people after you can now come and sort of immerse themselves in that history. Yeah, this is quite a unique history for me as a reader. Again, this all baseball history in Orange County is all new. Uh, how long and hard was it to dig up all this past? I was working, I don't know, probably about, I mean, it's hard to say, probably about two years. But a book like that, I mean, I'm interested as a hobby, as a matter of fact, in baseball history so much that I was digging around here for a long time. I mean, I'm always sort of on the prowl for bits and pieces of information and interesting photos and things that help tell the story. So when it came time to do this book, I had amassed a fair amount of information already. But I mean, that said, it still required a lot of digging and a lot of interviewing and just the things you do over the normal course of doing a history book. But, um, but it was so much fun because, again, I love baseball and I'm a big, you know, longtime Angels season ticket holder. So to sort of work back from 1966 to the 1880s when the, the first picture, I think it's the earliest baseball photo in Orange County of a team uh, in Fairview, which today is Costa Mesa, that's, what, that's the earliest shot in the book. To start back there and work my way up and actually end with the uh, 2011 Huntington Beach team winning the Little League World Series, it was kind of a nice bookend as well. So there's a lot of history in there and a lot of, I think, surprises and mysteries revealed and things like that beyond just the Angels. Although there's a healthy Angels chapter in there, too. I have some wonderful images 
of Angel Stadium being built and things like that that take people back to that, you know, groundbreaking with, with Gene Autry first kicking that shovel into the ground and work my way up from there. So, you know, again, it's not an Angels book per se, but you can't do a book on Orange County baseball and not pay particular homage to the Angels. Yeah. Did you have a hard time licensing all the photos in the book or was that fairly easy? No, nah, because a lot of them, I mean, A, a lot of them I owned already, you know, just that I've been collecting over the years. And, okay. you know, through the generosity of others, thankfully, this kind of project, I think baseball fans like to see it live on. I mean, case in point, the guy that had the photos of Babe Ruth and Walter Johnson from 1924, his primary interest was, was that an audience could enjoy that moment in history, that time capsule. And that's been my experience. I've done a number of baseball books, and, and to a book, it's always the same thing. Baseball fans, first and foremost, want people to be able to enjoy these little peeks into the past. And if they own a piece of that, uh, they've been more than willing to share it and, and you know, make it available so that other fans can look at it and experience it and even maybe go back and try and locate where things used to be. Yeah, as a great radio broadcaster, Ralph Story once said, the past is a nice place to visit, but you shouldn't get, shouldn't get stuck there. Uh, what are some of your favorite uh, baseball parks in Orange County today? He's exactly right. Ralph's story was a wonderful storyteller. The, the ultimate name for what he did, I always <laughs> thought. He was just terrific. Well, I mean, look, I, I love Angel Stadium. I think Angel Stadium has, you know, worn very well. I think the redesign in 1998, I can't believe it's been that long ago, um, really sort of brought it back closer to what it was originally. And I think it remains a wonderful Major League ballpark. And again, it's the fourth oldest behind Dodger Stadium, Wrigley and uh, Fenway Park, of course. So I like, I like Angels a lot, but, you know, I like Murdy Park with the Huntington Beach Little League team won. That, to me, when I drive by that and I think of the history that was made on that field, I think there's wonderful history right there. Uh, Amaridge Park, as we talked about in Fullerton, the thought of Honus Wagner being out there <laughs> and all the different teams and things is fun. But La Palma, I think, because structurally it looks like a classic little ballpark. It's just this great solid kind of no-nonsense uh, ballpark. Uh, when I walk onto the field at La Palma, I get a real sense of being back in time. And to Ralph Story's point, you don't want to live back there, but just sort of set a foot back there and, and escape for a moment and think about what it was like when Jackie Robinson walked onto the field, you know, filming his life story. To think about Connie Mack teaching a kid's clinic out there. You, you can't help, I think, but get caught up in the ghosts of the baseball past that are there. And if you bring, you know, we, my son and I like to bring mitts out on those fields when we count with a ball and have a catch. Even if the park's not there, if it's a parking lot, we can still say, you know what, those guys were right here. We're in their footsteps. We're in their airspace. We're doing just what they did here many decades ago. That is cool. Um, you mentioned Angel Stadium is the fourth or oldest ballpark um, in Major League Baseball. I think it's, I don't know what your feeling is about it, but I have a pretty good feeling that might last to 100 Oh, yeah, there's no reason for that park to, to really ever go away. I mean, it, the, the niche that it occupies, its convenience, its style, it really, I, I can't see it happening. I mean, I, I actually would see Dodger Stadium going away before that. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's going to happen either, but there's talk once in a while of, of, of major upgrading and possibly moving, you know, um, because Dodger Stadium, where it's built and how it's situated, it's from another time and age. It is really tough to get in and out of Dodger Stadium by any definition, whereas Angel Stadium is, is very convenient. But I think, uh, I think it's going to be there a long time. And, and again, who would have thought 
that in 1966, today we would be saying it's the fourth oldest. I think that's one, to me, as a baseball history nut, that's where baseball has let me down. I mean, I think we should have the old Yankee Stadium, I think old Comiskey. Even if they wear out, you know, if teams have to move on to a more modern facility, that you can't maintain those structures for something else for college or high school. The fact that Tiger Stadium today is an abandoned lot with one piece of the wall standing to me is an absolute disgrace. You know, it's a total crime against baseball history when those parks are, are, are torn down because baseball, more than any other sport, it, it, it's about where it's played. It's about the churches, these sacred, shrine-like, hallowed stadiums and ballparks where generations after generations go and tell stories and occupy that same space. And the fact that we haven't kept that many of them, uh, to me, is really disappointing. So I'm happy that Angel Stadium isn't just there, but looks like it'll be there for a long time. Yeah, one of the sad parts when I was watching Ken Burns National Parks is, like, there's a few man-made things that are national parks, and it... To me, like the walls of Tiger Stadium are close to what Yosemite Valley is. I mean, it's a cathedral, like you were saying, and it, it is too bad that we've lost so many of them. I know. And, you know, and I've been around the country to lots of those places, always looking for shreds of evidence of a little piece of a wall or a patch of grass that might have been in the outfield. I did a book called Roadside Baseball that was really dedicated just to that, to wandering the country and finding those little traces of the past. And it's so bittersweet because you, I remember in Cincinnati, they, they were famed for at Crosley Field, at the left field, outfield, kind of there was an, an incline up, you know, where the ground went up in a slight hill. That hill, even though it's like a big industrial park now, that little hill is still there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so when you find that, your mind can automatically fill in the rest because you know exactly where you are. Yeah. And same thing goes to the polo grounds in New York. There's a plaque where home plate used to be. It's not quite precise, but it's close enough where if you stand there and you think about, you know, Bobby Thompson hitting that home run from that very spot, of Ray Chapman, who stood there in 1920, the only ball player ever killed by a pitch, standing right at that spot. It really it gives you goosebumps thinking about just the layers of history in those, in those spaces. And so, yeah, I wish we had kept many, if not full ballparks, at least the playing surface. You know, in <laughs> yeah. Cleveland, where League Park used to be, the stadium's gone, but the diamond is still there, as is a piece of the, the outer retaining wall. And, you know, it's not quite enough, but you know what? When the diamond is there, that goes a long way yeah. to helping you sort of reconnect and get back. And, again, just get in that dirt a little bit and think about, wow, this is where, you know, where Ruth hit his 500th home run. This is where the only unassisted triple play in World Series history took place. All those things come back to life when you stand on the actual field. Yeah. My guest has been Chris Epting. He is the author of an excellent new book we've been talking about, Baseball in Orange County, that is currently out now. You can get it at any major bookstore. Uh, if you enjoy baseball history and want to know more about what happened in our own backyard, I can't recommend this enough. enough. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. Heather, thank you very much for having me. It was really nice talking to you. This is the Heather McCoy Show.